that got me thinking and it led me to have this question, which is what is up with that song and how did it come about? Oh my God, I love this. So grab oh your home oh I loves and dive in with me. Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So, you know, we all kind of have like different temperaments. And I think that anyone who's listened to the pod for a while is no stranger to the fact that, you know, Amy knows her way around a to-do list. And she <laughs> likes to like check off things and, you know, get things done. And Megan and I you know, while we may have a lot of ideas and we bring a lot of things to the world, our executive functions may be like more underdeveloped. Would that be fair? No, that's absolutely (laughs) fair. Not to say the two of you aren't good doers though. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's true. But I have to like almost be in the mood to do. (laughs) Yes, yes. And and would you say well-rested to do? So Amy, (laughs) why don't we first just get a quick sense of like kind of, you've been really getting into like the self-improvement lately it's like you know autumn you know we're getting ready for like the new year i guess like you know you're just kind of like you're looking to like solidify some intentions and that's rubbing off on us in different ways that we're soon gonna (laughs) unpack it's still kind of new for me as much as i love a list i don't usually you know list out how i'm going to live my life which is you know new for me and it's it's kind of fun i have never been one to keep a journal or a paper planner, which I know you guys have done. At least I know Megan has done like the, you know, you're into the planner thing. But I have decided to be more intentional. I need to start writing things down. And so I got a planner and I'm going to do, it's a planner that has a vision board in it. And I'm all about, you know, like setting my intentions and saying that I'm going to do the thing and scheduling the thing. I think that's the biggest thing is to schedule Not just like, I've got to take my daughter to the doctor tomorrow or, you know, my son to the orthodontist, like schedule me, schedule stuff for me, which is very new, which is very new for me. And I I took a class at work last week. It was, you know, if you know the seven habits of highly effective people, it's Covey seven habits and there's classes for it. And one of the questions was like, you know, what do you do for yourself? Like, how do you serve you? And I was like, eh? So, so yeah, so that's what I've been getting you to. And I'm trying to pull you two into it with me. Not that you two don't do that stuff, but I'm trying to pull you into it because I, I feel like it's better when you've got accountability. And I think that we can be really great at holding each other accountable. I'm still struggling with getting you guys back on Supernatural, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm... I, it will I mean, happen. Might... It'll happen. And then you're going to, it'll happen so much that you'll be like, oh no, my leaderboard is just leading right. dominating me. Well, because I feel like maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking the wrong tactic right now, which is shaming you guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. You probably should. With pictures of my workouts that you guys aren't responding to. But anyway. <laughs> Do you know what it is actually right now? It's not even supernatural. This is where you, this is where you kind of fucked it up. If you want my, and, but I mean, like, really, this is me, this is a me issue, not a you issue, is you start talking about the complicated software updates and passcodes that you need to do to move it forward. And it's, and so every time I'm about to do it, I'm like, oh, but I just don't feel like sitting there trying to like deal with that. Okay. So it's actually not. The only thing that's annoying about it is you have to see the code in the headset and then type it into your phone. 
So okay. it's just a pain in the ass. Unless you're like you me, do. unless you're like me, and you forget like all your passwords. Yeah, and I stuff. don't know Yeah, well then you're then then you're like me. No, and then you didn't was... need to know a password. You just needed to be like, are you gonna log in with Facebook? Well, yeah, but I which have two, I do. I have two Facebook accounts, yeah, so I, I logged no in with idea. the wrong one, and it was yes. like a whole yes. mess. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> it was like a whole mess. I'm gonna be like, which of the twelve passwords that I use is yeah. This one? Here's another thing. This is just kind of coming to me now. Is I also feel like. Trying to get the two of you on board for something that I'm doing is akin to trying to get my kids to do something. Like, they have to hear it from somebody that they think <gasps> is cooler than me. So, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. I got, uh, so, no. so wait, Megan. Listen, no, no, no. Megan. Yeah, no, 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 listen. Okay, so uh-huh. my husband, Neil has been telling me, Neil has been telling me for years to listen to how how this got made the podcast i'm talking literal years probably however long that podcast has been on air neil's like you have to listen to which this has episode. been a long time i didn't realize how long oh, yeah. it was he sent yeah. me links okay and then you were like megan you need to watch or you need to listen to the how it got made episode of con air and i was but I like i first have to give credit to kara kara our podcast listener from patreon who's the one who recommended it during true. our live last week true but then you but were I like, did. hey, I, I listened. listened to it, and it's really good. And I was like, okay. So I took a walk, and I listened to it. And I came home, and I was like, hey, it's Neil. I li- you've ever heard. <laughs> Amy told me to watch, listen. Or Amy told me to listen to how it got made at Con Air, and he just goes, stop. Stop. Don't even talk to me. I don't want to hear it. He's so mad because it happens all the time where he tells me to do something, and then I don't do it until, like, I guess someone I consider cooler than him. Well, but here, so here, but here's where I'm getting with this. So I love, I love that. For those of you who don't know the podcast, how did this get made? It is Jason Manzukis, June Diane, and Paul Shearer, and they pick apart movies that never should have gotten made. But it's did. hysterical, and it's and so funny. The Con Air episode. I'm walking I mean, and I'm I like crying laughing. Me too. I, I look like a, to it yet. So I look I like an insane it. person. I'm walking like in public <laughs> and I'm just cracking up, like just laughing. And like I'm driving I, to work like this. <laughs> but where I'm trying to get with this is yeah. I've been talking about, well, we've all been talking about manifesting for a while and that's not new, but I've been talking about this, this cubby class that I took, you know, a couple weeks ago and these great ideas that I got from it. And you guys are yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. But then Megan sees a post from somebody in an author group. Oh, yeah. Who is not me. Oh, I did not realize this. See, this is a Megan issue. This is, I think you're cool enough. Yeah. Megan does it. I do. Yeah. And my friend Victoria, and she's like, I bought all these books, and then I, like, bought all the books that she recommended. (laughs) And you're like, what the heck? Look, it's all manifesting. It's what I've been talking about. No, it's, well, it's, it's cool because you got me to, like, look at some of these books, too. Yeah, because Which okay, I think so is great. what I'm reading right now is called Atomic Habits. And it's it's really good for me. I would say right now it's, like, hitting me. And I'm what it's saying is what I need to hear right now. And, yeah, it's all about, like, building positive habits and things like that. Well, as he said, there's no good and bad habits. They're just habits. And it's just depending on, like, which habits you want to keep and which habits you don't. Biting my nails is a bad habit. Yeah, and he even he even like that's an example in the book. So I right, have I think you could I think you can qualify habits as good and bad though. But... Yeah, but he said like most habits are are solving a problem. It might just be like a habit you don't like Right. Like he said like biting like your I, nails maybe I helps ease my your anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. So he's like 
it's a habit that's working. It's just you don't maybe want it. It's kind of interesting. But right. I have, so I have a habit. I do use a paper planner and I have what's called a habit tracker in my planner. So my habit tracker now set it, the first, so I mark like every day I did something. So I took a walk and I marked, you know, Monday and Tuesday I took a walk and I'm going to read an hour of nonfiction. So I mark off every day. I mark off which days. And then my third thing is, <laughs> is that I took no naps. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're not just it's, talking power naps here, people. No, I mean, how long I, of a nap do you take? Yeah, I'll take like a one to two hour nap, and I'm talking full REM. I wake up and I don't know what day it is. Like I wake up and I'm like, oh my god, I have to get the kids on the bus, and it's like three o'clock. Oh my god. <laughs> Did I meet your sister wife? What? I yeah. Know. Well, <laughs> it's like I, it's bad. It's bad because it's like a habit now that I've trained my body to think I have to sleep. Then so I've like. So she's talking about this before we got on, and Megan's yeah. saying, she's like, she's like, I just, I need a lot of sleep. I'm like, do you? I know. Or have you trained yourself to think you need this extra sleep? I think you're right. I honestly think you're right. I don't think I do need any extra sleep than any okay. other person. You know what? But if it's giving you joy, who am I to judge? And the thing we can compare it to is how I showed up like a bad out of hell hot mess in the middle of like 12 different like work emergencies and a whole bunch of, and I mean like, and I mean that like not, not me emergencies. Like, I'm responding to actual emergencies. They're not, like, myself, you know, like, the work emergencies right. where you've, like, effed up. Yeah. Um, no, these are more just, like, I, part of my job is um, helping with, you know, problem solving. But the thing is, is that, like, I don't celebrate a culture of overwork or being harried or showing up as, like, the hot mess that I show up to, like, most things at at the moment. So, to me, I think there's something nice about it. I, I need, like, for me, what happens is... I don't do something and then somehow one day I just wake up and like I'm just doing that thing again. And then I hate it though because I think my problem is is that I'll do it like supernatural. Like I did it for like what nine months and so I was like oh maybe I finally like kicked the bug and I like finally like have my habit that I'm doing now. And then when I like fell out of it when I went to Australia and like my power thing didn't work then I was like oh shit like you know. So yeah. then you get like the well, shame you can, and you blame. Can... I've got to get past that. Thank you for the therapy. I've got to get past that. Forgive myself and yes. move forward. So one of the things that is talked about in a, in Atomic Habits is not to like beat yourself up. Yeah. Fall no. back into I'm a, a pattern. But to just <laughs> but to just try again, you know, kind yeah. of thing. To try. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you shame yourself and then you're like, well, I fucked up. So I might as well just keep fucking up. And I do that all the time. And I'm not shaming Megan for her napping, but I am laughing because <laughs> she revamped our entire website. Yeah. During her, and like a during her non-nap nap time. Yeah. During, yeah, during see, her non-nap time. That's why, see, this is the thing. I don't want, it'd be different if like, you can't shame me. Like I, I don't care. I don't care if anyone shames me. I'm going to keep napping if I want to nap. But yeah. I reached the point where I was like, no, that is a waste of my time. I need to be working and it's messing up my sleep at night. So, and so today, yeah, I revamped the whole website during my nap time today. And yeah, I was I just and, laughed about seeing your actual na nap time on your to do. Yeah. It's, <laughs> her non nap. My no nap. Her no nap. My no nap on my to do. Yeah. So, and, and I, I would tell you right now, I feel much better that I accomplish something that needed to get done than I do when I wake up from a nap. So like the reward, this is again, what they talk about the topic. Yeah. The reward for not taking a nap is greater than if I took a nap. Yeah. It's been good. I feel like better. 
And absolutely, I've been sleeping better at night. So that's why I was like, all right, you know what? And I got stuff done today. So, I mean, by the time this pod comes out, you'll see our new website. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> and hopefully we've been all tracking our habits for the two weeks between yeah. now and then. Check in on us. <laughs> right? hold, us hold us accountable. Because I do, like, after tonight, like, I well, I have this book that I need to edit by Friday. And I'm like... Almost there. Yeah. Almost there. But that's like October 1st. I'm starting my planner and I've already started writing like, you know, there's, there's like questions at the beginning, like, you know, what brings you joy in your life? Mm -hmm. You know, what would you do if money wasn't an object? Mm -hmm. And then there is, you know, what is your, what is your ideal relationship look like? And then there's like two full pages for a vision board in there, which I've never done before, but I'm going to do a professional vision board and then I'm going to do a personal vision board. Oh, I want to see them then. You don't have to like show that to the listeners. So that's probably, personal, no, I will not but, show it to the listeners. Yeah. But I want to, yeah. I, I want to see you. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are questions that we ask ourselves when we're uh, manifesting and creating good habits good, and K dramas have also made us ask ourselves some questions. All right. Right? So basically, I think this is only, I think this is our second one, right? We've only done one I have questions. Have no, questions? I think we've done a couple. I think we've done a couple. Okay, okay. This might be so, our third. Yeah, it, it's one of those. <laughs> but it's another installment of I have questions, which basically is just that uh, watching K-dramas has brought up some questions that uh, then we nerd out and we do a little research and we then... Tell you our research in case you are interested and you had questions. Sometimes, like in my case, like I did not get definitive answers, but I learned some stuff, which I think is good too. Yeah, and I think it's always interesting. You I mean obviously you have to take K dramas with a grain of salt. Obviously, there's going to be things that are dramatized. Well, you know, I think yeah, about anything I think about anything that's fiction. Take right, because I think about you know if a uh, someone in another country who's never been to America watches, <laughs> say, like Sex in the City, <laughs> they're probably like. I have a lot of questions about New York. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, like, and about, and, like, especially about New York real estate, because yeah, Carrie's apartment, like, that closet does not exist. Yeah, no one has, <laughs> no one has that apartment in New York, especially, like, a columnist, and that's all she does. And she's not, you know, strutting around a, Manol- a different Manola Blahnik. So, yeah, I like, I have, I, I always keep that in mind, but that's okay. It still is fun to, like, learn a little bit more um, about things, and that's kind of why we do this in the spirit of just learning. Right. I think any fictional depiction of a culture is going to be, you know, amped and, you know, over the top as far as, like, reality. And I think that we should always expect that, whether it's somebody watching something from America or us watching something from somewhere else. Like, because we're, yes, there are times when fiction is making a comment on reality, but also there are times where it's just heightening the you know heightening the climax because it's fun to watch so you know like you said take it with a grain of salt so i have been watching cafe minimdong and uh enjoying it and i just wanted to know a little bit more about shamanism because i find it super fascinating as i'm watching it and i don't know what's very fictionalized, you know, for a drama, what's kind of accurate. And so... How about before you go on, for anybody who hasn't watched Cafe Minimdong, give oh, just like right. a little, like, what's the premise of the drama? Right. So Cafe Minimdong basically is a former police profiler, decides to pretend to be a shaman, 
And uh, he has many reasons that are a little murky, but essentially he's trying to solve a crime, something that happened to a friend of his. I feel like that's and he can't enough, do it. Right, right, he can't do it as a police officer because he was in prison. Right, like he like he lost his job. He, like that's known in Correct. the first episode. Like first episode is he is getting out of prison. So he's getting out yeah. of prison and kind of falls into the job. If <laughs> someone mistakes him for a shaman, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And uh, it's just kind of like a nice little front. It's a way for him to make money while he's still like investigating. And essentially, he's kind of like getting back at some of the people that he thinks are it's it's actually it's interesting so yeah that's like the premise and yeah. so yeah i just wanted to know basically a little bit more about shamanism so i did a little research and i and i am really interested you know what i want to say first that so you know i live in pennsylvania and witch doctors were very prominent in my area in the early 1900s. They were very prominent in the early 1900s. So there's actually a really, really famous murder in my area that happened in 1928 um, that had to do with like a river witch and, and hexing and witch doctors. And it's really interesting. But it reminded me a little bit of shamanism in that I learned that shamanism is performed primarily for practical purposes, which is similar to, to witch doctors. So they're trying to heal, they're trying to protect from something, solve problems, bring good fortune, avoid misfortune. So it's not necessarily like a worship type of practice, it's practical, which makes sense too if you watch Cafe Minimdong because he's it, people come to him with problems. Like that is that is why they're they're coming to him. And so the most common term for a female shaman in Korea is mudong. They themselves tend to prefer the term manshin. And male shamans in Korea are generally called baksu mudong or simply baksu. And the primary function of a mudong is the performance of an elaborate ritual called kut, in which the mudong will act as the mediator between the spirits and the people. Because, you know, the belief of shamanism is that the world is pervaded by spirits and they play an important role in the lives of of people and the you know the mudongs have a certain calling that allows them to communicate with, with the spirit world and so the shaman will act as a mediator between the human world and the spirit world and i was also interested because in cafe minimdong he kind of almost goes into like these like dances and and trances and i wanted to know if that was something that happens and yeah the individuals the shamans um, have like trance inducing techniques to enter an altered state of consciousness in order to interact with the spirit world. And in that trance is when they can be the intermediary. So I also was really interested in the, in Cafe Minimdong, he always has these like bells. <laughs> and I really wanted to know like kind of more about the bells. And when I tried to like find out more, I feel like all I could get was listings of people selling them. <laughs> There's like tons of like eBay listings. Like, do you want to buy them? And I'm like, no, I just want to know maybe a little bit more about them. But one thing I did find is the, it's, I think you say a bujok. It's B-U-J-E-O-K. Mm -hmm. And they have them in Cafe Minimdong. But another thing they had them in was a tale of the nine-tailed. Remember they had like the talismans, the like yellow yes. talismans with like yes. the red writing? Yes. And I wasn't, I remember, because we weren't quite sure what those were when we were watching Tale of the Night Tale, or we were, like, a little unsure, right? Because they, it are you was, like, about, like the, are you talking about, like, the paper thing? Yeah. Because they, they had, were, they also had them in The King Eternal Monarch. That's yes. it. Yeah. So, it's, the, I didn't know this. So, they are typically inscribed in red letters on yellow paper, and those mm -hmm. are considered both good luck colors. 
and they can, you know, be placed in the home or carried on the person. Because I do remember, too, in some of those, you're supposed to, like, carry it with you. So the background color of the paper um, is normally yellow because that is the color that repels evil spirits. And the designs are inscribed in red ink, which represents blood and fire, which basically symbolizes life and human emotions. And it says, and that's another thing, too. I thought the designs looked like Chinese characters. And it says, while they do look like Chinese characters, they are called spirit writings. Uh, that can be that can only be interpreted by the mudong, the oh. mudong, the shaman. Okay. Yeah, they said sometimes the overall design does have Chinese characters, but it's symbols that only the shaman can read. Yeah, that's like only they can interpret, which I thought was really really cool. And it still is practiced, obviously in South Korea. An estimated fifty thousand shamanic ceremonies are held each year in Seoul, according to a scholar of religion at Songgang University. And a lot of like the modern reasons would be like to bring good harvests, help villages. Our communities prosper and to like assist souls of the dead and they tell fortunes and it, i don't know i know what i've seen in like dramas where they go to a shaman and they ask about the name like what should i name my child mm-hmm. and that's obviously still so common they help them choose names or they serve as mass matchmakers things like that so it's definitely still practiced and there's like a whole complicated like i'm not going to get into that but there's a whole complicated thing about who can be like a a shaman and how you get initiated and everything like that that's another like whole complicated system but yeah I just found it really interesting that a lot uh, so what we've been seeing obviously in dramas a lot of that is still practiced except in Cafe Minam Dong he's impersonating a shaman and the person (laughs) and the person who's considered a real shaman there's some issues there in in cafe so just i mean don't don't go if you haven't watched yet don't go into cafe minum dong thinking that you're gonna get to see some legit shamanism yeah Um, because i mean you find this out in episode one but like he he obviously they think he's a shaman because he's like able to tell things but it's because he has this like super smart hacker sister so while he's like in his like room uh, performing his his rituals or his kuts. He had, he's has got camera her, glasses on. Yeah, he's camera glasses and he has her in his ear telling him things. And also he's like a really smart criminal profiler. Right. So he is able to like read people really well. So he's using like people-based skills. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's, but I mean, like I said, we've seen other dramas where shamanism has, has been depicted. And like I said, it just reminded me a little, I'm not trying to compare. It's like, they're totally different things, but it just right. did remind me a little bit because like I said, the the witch doctors, uh, you know, of the some of the European um, settlers that came over practiced it, and it was same. It was like practical. Like you went to a witch doctor to like bless your baby or to, especially they very big on healing. They were like people went to them instead. Well, a witch doctor, I'm right? The name use them a lot for healing. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and So and Gook in Cafe Minim Dong is fantastic. I mean, I, I don't think he's trying to make fun. I don't think that's the point of it. But no, using, I don't either. He's using it to his advantage to solve a murder, and he's doing it really well. Yeah, no, I don't think he is either, because he's also not really lying to these people. No, he's not. He's actually helping people. He's actually... Like, along, uh, like, the people... Like, he's making money doing this, like, you know... While he's trying to solve, you know, this murder of his friend, he's making money doing this, but the people that he sort of cons are actually getting something out of it. So They are. He, like, helps yeah. some woman, I mean, this is, he helps some woman, like, find missing money. I mean, he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, actively helping these people, so it, it right. is kind of interesting. But he's yeah. uh, doing it all under the guise of, of shamanism. Right. Not, not for nefarious. And the costuming is very cool. That's yes. It is. 
Okay, so the drama that I'm currently watching slowly uh, on episode six is well, if it's you emotion. wish upon me. Yeah, yeah it is. It's oh, emotion, but I... also I'm in the middle of a book edit, so like I can't watch like more than like an episode a week yeah. right now. I cut you off to say the drama again. Oh, it's if you wish upon me with Ji Chang Wook and Suyong. So anyway, this is not a spoiler because this is stuff that you find out in the first episode. But then it's also it also reminded me of another drama where I'm going to spoil something, but I'll let you know when that comes. In the first episode, Ji Chang Wook's character gets out of prison, and he goes to pick up his dog, son, at the veterinarian where it's Adul, I think. Adul? Is that, that's like how you say son in... Is that how you say son? I think okay. it's like Adul. So he goes to pick up his dog, mm-hmm. and the vet is... <laughs> the vet... His name, Sorry. it's funny too, because okay. his name so, is si- similar to friend in Korean, which is Ching- Jingu. Jingu. Which and his like name Jingu. is Jingu, right. so it's like the it's friend... Jingu. And they it's make funny. a lot of they make a lot of jokes based yeah. on it. But his okay, so his friend's name is well, the friend is Jingu, but he says we're not really friends. Mm-hmm. And when he's arguing, when Ji Chang Wook's character is arguing whether or not Jingu is his friend, he's like, "We're not friends just because we were at the same orphanage together. Like I grew up in that orphanage, whereas you were only dropped off there for a little while while your parents were finalizing their divorce." And I was, it was like record <laughs> we were like, I was like, yeah. I was like, what? Like what? <laughs> it's like, can you do that? Like. Can you just, like, drop your kid in an orphanage while you're working on your divorce? (laughs) So that was red flag number one. Yeah. And then it made me go back to her private life. So close your ears for a second because I'm going to spoil the big, like, climax of her private life. Maybe still be vague about it. I'll be vague, but I'm still going to spoil it. Like, there's... Because there is a character... You don't have to say who it is. You can just say... No, but there's a character in her private life who is adopted... Okay, and the way that this character ends up at the orphanage is what the big twist is. Okay, so if you're watching her private life and you know who the adopted character is and you don't want to find this out yet, just close your ears for a second. So what happens is we learn in a flashback is that a woman rescues a little boy who seems to have been abandoned at the park. He's like grade school age, like eight, nine, right? Like seven, eight or nine, somewhere around there. And takes the boy home because she thinks he's abandoned. She has a child of her own. Well, she has children of her own. And she takes this boy in. Doesn't go to the police. Nothing. Doesn't know what the kid's parent situation is. Takes him in for about a month. But then has tragedy happen in her own life. And can no longer mentally care for this young boy who she took home from the park. (laughs) So in the middle of the night... Who she took home from the park like a lost puppy. Yes. (laughs) For a month. So in the middle of the night, she just drops him on the steps of an orphanage and leaves. And what we find no, out is... No, let me say, literally drops him on the stairs. Like, yes. no one comes out to get him. He's just there crying no. on the stairs in the dark. He's just there crying on the stairs like a, a fully functioning child who can speak and tell you his name. And she leaves. Okay? All we know is that somehow from there, he ends up getting adopted by an American family and goes to America and comes back, you know, as an adult. Okay. Okay. So I hear this thing about the divorce and if you wish upon me, and then it makes me think of her private life. And I'm like, what are the rules of adoption (laughs) in South Korea? Okay. Again, suspend your disbelief in K-dramas because obviously neither of these things could happen in real life. Okay. We have another Carrie Bradshaw in New York situation. Yes. So this is not this. I mean, this is not, you know, K-drama saying, look at how messed up our adoption system is. You can just drop a fully functioning child who could speak and tell you his name and tell you what his mom's name is. You could just put him on the steps of an orphanage and nobody says boo. Okay. So no, 
That can't happen. So here, I mean, child abandonment is an issue all over the world. So I'm not here making a comment on child abandonment in South Korea. Um, But I'm going to tell you about a law that was passed and how, because of this law being passed, these parents could never have done the things that they did without getting arrested. Okay. So most of my info comes from this website called the groundtruthproject.org as well as Wikipedia. So in 2012, the Special Adoption Act was passed in South Korea, and its aim was to protect the children, but it had some fallout. So here are the rules, the sort of like conditions of this Adoption Act. Birth parents need to wait at least seven days after their child is born before they can consent to placing their child up for adoption. Number two, birth parents must receive counseling on the various resources that would be available to them if they choose to raise the child themselves. And three, birth parents must go through family court to place their child up for adoption, meaning that the adoption will be part of government records. Okay. The law also mandates that birth mothers list their babies in their family registry in order for them to be eligible for international adoption. And this kind of came about because a lot of a lot of Korean children who are adopted internationally you know, coming back to the country and not being able to trace their roots because there's no record of them. Oh, okay. So this became yeah. So this became part of it. So the legislative intent behind this was to keep children with their biological families, hopefully, and reduce the number of foreign adoptions and mm-hmm. encourage more domestic adoptions. Unfortunately, what has happened, particularly with unwed mothers who don't want to be stigmatized for having a baby out of wedlock, is that more babies are being abandoned mm-hmm. because... Otherwise, they have to register the child under their name, which totally takes away their anonymity. Yeah. Oh. That's really tricky. Okay, it is tricky. I see, because on the one hand, I get it. On the second hand... Right. Yeah. And so there's that, you know, there's that stigmatization of being an unwed mother in South Korea. And so that has, you know, made the numbers rise. And it's also made the number of abandonments rise because... South Korea does not have safe haven laws like the U.S. does, meaning that if you do abandon your child and you're caught, you know, even if you do it in a safe haven type of way, like there are some churches now that have, you know, started having like safe haven boxes to put babies in. Um, And there's a church, it's called Jusarong in Seoul, and it started a baby box program where the mothers can safely abandon their babies. It's a temperature control box, the baby is safe, and then what happens is the church then brings the baby to the police and they're entered into the Korean welfare system. But if the mother is caught, then she's in trouble with the law kind of thing. Oh, okay. Right? So this is all just to say, while it did not give me a specific answer like, can you drop your kid in an orphanage while you're getting a divorce? Or can you drop a kid in an orphanage who you've kept in your home for a month even though you don't know if this kid's parents exist out there, the answer, I think, has to be no, because it's illegal. Like, it's illegal to do so. Especially if that child is not your own. Like, there's so much, you know, there's so much wrong with that. It's illegal. That's illegal. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not her yeah. child anyway. It's not her child anyway. There's nothing to register. It's not her child. She should have brought this child to the police the day she found him it was wandering like double the park. illegal. Like, yeah, I mean, it is pretty weird that the police were never brought in to be oh like, I God. found this child. Instead, it was like, I found this child. I will. Yeah, okay. We've got the, child wasn't, a the child wasn't like, this is my name. This is my mother's name. Instead, it was like, go to this school. Here's, this a my lovely, address. here's a lovely American couple who would like to take you. Bye bye. Like that oh would never God. happen. Okay. So that was number one. So yeah. So if you wish upon me in the very first episode, I was like, what? And yeah. then the second thing is very small, and it's all, it also came from If You Wish Upon Me. So my question was, how long can you live while in hospice care? And if you are terminal, are you still well enough to write, produce, and star in your own musical? 
<laughs> I know the answer to this, and I haven't even seen the drama yet. <laughs> so I freaking loved it. I don't care. I love that musical with all my heart and soul. Okay, yeah. you end of life curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Why, why do you hate curmudgeon? So, If You Wish Upon Me has this genie program where it is a hospice that has volunteers who do like a make-a-wish type thing where they try and give you whatever you want, you know, for your, your last days in life. And so every couple of episodes, it's kind of like Move to Heaven or Tomorrow. They're vignettes about a certain person's wish and how that wish gets, you know, realized in addition to like the frame story of Ji Chang-wook's character and his past. So... This is just one of the vignettes. I'm not going to like spoil all of it for you, but in this one vignette, Park Jinju is the patient at hospice and her wish is she has this musical that she wrote and she wants to perform it with this famous idol. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to talk about the episode, but it really raised a question for me because I mean, I've, I've had relatives in hospice before and they've passed pretty quickly after moving to hospice because hospice in my definition, and I, I mean, I just in case... We're not all aware of hospice, and hospice is defined the same way in America as it is in South Korea, is that hospice is palliative care for terminally ill patients, basically meaning the patients are kept comfortable for as much time as they have left. You know, they try to keep them comfortable and out of pain for as much time as they have left. But my question was, how long can you last in hospice? And I did find that in the U.S., 12 to 15% of hospice patients live six months in hospice. Yeah. Oh, and okay. after because yeah, and then you and have I to have basically like reapp- reapply for hospice yes. like after that. So like I'm still I dying. Family, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have family who've done that actually. Really? Don't okay. get a finger. Um, <laughs> I'm it's okay. Um, yeah, where yes, they are in palliative care, and it is yeah, and that was my question of like what happens if you like continue in palliative care because you're kind of in this like slightly nebulous situation and yeah you can either reapply or you get moved into some other system I mean that was really where my question you know kind of came from is like because of the experience that I've had in my family with hospice and losing people pretty quickly after they end up there but no 12 to 15 percent have made it six months or longer while closer to 50 percent usually pass within a few weeks and so it is not unrealistic that this character would have been able to write, produce, and perform in her musical. So hmm. there was that. So yeah. But what I did find as far as like hospice in South Korea is because I because Megan and I were talking about this and wondering if maybe the definition of hospice is just different and maybe it's something in the translation, but it's not. But hospice is newer in South Korea as far as being part of the government healthcare system. And right now, through South Korea's healthcare system, hospice is only available to terminally ill cancer patients. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That is according to the Journal of Hospice and Palliative Care. But yeah, so it's a fairly new thing. It's covered by the Republic of Korea's healthcare system, but right now it's only available to terminal cancer patients. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, because they're not so far, and if you wish upon me, nothing is being spoken as far as like what what is what are people ill with in yeah, hospice. They're actually vague a lot about it. Yeah, which I think they're is fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's fine too because that's not what it's about. It's not a, no. it's it's it is not a medical show. That is the thing. I thought it was going to be too like a there's no there's no surgeries. No surgeries, it, no court cases. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a medical show. Like not even close. So, yeah. I think that's probably why. So anyway, you know, Megan and I were talking about it before I did any research. And she's like, you know what? I'm just suspending my disbelief. I love that episode. I cried. And I did too. I 100% loved it. But 
not so far fetched. So there you go. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, there's so much in this drama that you just have to suspend your disbelief. And I suspend the shit out of it because I, I love it. And I know it's like, you know, a little, a little crazy and I don't care. Well, I'm excited to start watching it. And yeah, I think that basically death and dying, you know, take many forms and you can be in many different spaces. So, you know, we're all yeah. on our journeys. All right, and now it's one of our favorite parts of the show, the K-pop wreck of the week. And Megan, what do you have for us this week? So this week I have something a little different. I'm really excited about it. So the song is called New Thing, and it's by Zico. And look, it was released just as a mission song for Street Man Fighter, or Street Male Fighter, which is basically a competition, sh- a reality competition show in South Korea for male dancers. Uh, basically, they had to, the like contestants had to choreograph for this song. So I first saw the video, the choreography video, and first of all, like the choreography bangs. It goes so hard. It is awesome. And then I'm like really into the song, and I was like, "What song is this?" And I was trying to like find it and find when it came out, and then I realized it was like released literally just, just for the show. For, just for the show. And, but Zico is like, like very famous in South Korea. Zico was a part of Block B, which was a very, very famous idol group. But he's old, like he's like, they, you know, he's like already been through the military. He's like 30, I think now. And I love oh, Zico. So yeah, and, I know, right? But Zico is like one of my favorite South Korean rappers. And this song is just so fun. I just, I just love it. I love it so much. And when I was like looking for it, I realized that I was like doing research on the song and it's like hitting the charts in South Korea. Like it's like, I get it. Like other people love it too. It has all these listens on like Melon and Genie and all those like streaming services that are popular in Asia. And so I'm really happy for Zico and it's a great song. So again, it's called New Thing. It's by Zico, which is spelled Z-I-C-O. And I really heavily recommend you take a look on YouTube, like search for it on YouTube and look at the Street Man Fighter videos and performances to this song because it is so much fun. And the choreography is so fun. There's this one contestant, his name's like Vata. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's V-A-T-A. And in the video and in the live performance, he's wearing this green jacket. He's like really tall. He's wearing these black pants. He's like Chelsea boots and this like deep green jacket and he is just something else like you cannot take your eyes off of him like he's definitely like a star so good for him good for the choreography good for Zico. if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part afternoon of delight patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there and not to brag but our patreon community is pretty awesome and you can join at a tier that feels good to you gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www.AfternoonAdelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, 
why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So I was talking in our Patreon this week about making a new OST playlist. And someone was like, can you even have a K-drama OST playlist if it doesn't feature Michael Learns to Rock's song, Eternal Love from Kilo? <laughs> so that got me thinking and it led me to have this question, which is, what is up with that song and how did it come about? Oh my God, I love this. So grab oh your Oh I loves and dive in with me. So Eternal Love is meant to be the musical theme for Se Jung Hoo's character played by Ji Chang Wook. And it's meant to kind of track and express his soft marshmallow underbelly, not like more the tap down emotions of Healer, but kind of his true self. And it's sung by the Danish band Michael Learns to Rock or MLTR, as they like to be called these days. Oh, <laughs> they're okay. on the record for saying that they are happy that they could communicate with their Korean fans through this OST and said, we have sung with Korean artists before, but never exclusively for a K-drama. And we think it's an honor to participate in a K-drama because that is the heart of Hallyu. So I'm going to come back to that because I was like, wow, you seem to know quite a lot about K-dramas. <laughs> so it's also interesting to know that MLTR did not compose or write the song. They did help with some of the arrangements. But this lack of creative control is apparently not so unusual for OSTs. For example, in Mr. Sunshine, Huang Chi Yul, who sang uh, the OST, How Can I Forget? He talked about the recording process in one of his V-lives and said that when he was recording it, the music director came to the set of the recording, talked about like the background of the drama. This kind of character was really associated with Eugene Choi's character. So he would like talk to about the like the character of Eugene Choi, give him visuals of like what like the character was, kind of the set. So really it was kind of like very intentionally part of the drama. And so this obviously led me to more questions because if OSTs are often calculated kind of business decisions and artistic decisions, like was Michael Learns to Rock a git artist for Korean audiences? So that's what took me into like a bigger rabbit hole. So formed in 1988, this band, which consists of Yasa Richter, I'm hoping that I'm getting these names right because they're Danish, um, Mikkel Lenz and Kar Wanscher. The band has sold over 11 million records over the course of their career, but the majority has been sold in Asia. So despite wow. being Danish, they sing in English and they attribute their success in the Asian market to having a drug-free, clean living image and the fact that they sing in English. The band's drummer has his own theory as to why they're so beloved there. And he says... Quote, I think that few bands have the same impact on Asian and Southeast Asian fans as we do, especially because of the way our music fits into the tradition of karaoke. So I thought that was interesting. Ooh. And he also said our lyrics are easy to understand. And in many Asian countries, that helps give us recognition because English is not their first language and they can understand what we're singing about. I feel so, like they're the Imagine Dragons. They're like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're like... They're like palatable. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't this mean, is very much what they have to say. Yeah, like palatable, easy to sing along yes. to, fairly clean, stuff yes. like that. So while they remain little known in the U.S. and Europe markets, they've sold, like I said, millions in Asia, and they're not afraid to play off the beaten track. They've played in Myanmar, Mongolia, Nepal, in an incident that showcases Michael Learns to Rock's popularity in Asia, 
20,000 fake tickets were sold, more than twice the number of real ones, for a concert in Hanoi, Vietnam in December 1997. And while the concert was on, those outside with fake tickets tried to break into the concert hall and riot police were just deployed. Oh my gosh, MLTR! Yeah. So (laughs) this leads me to the question that I know you're all sitting on right now, which is, can you still see MLTR live? And the answer is a resounding yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> the group will perform in Jakarta October 16th before bringing their show to Surabaya on October 19th. And then they're tipped to perform their greatest hits at a concert in Singapore on October 24th. Oh, my God. Go Good for MLTR. them. <laughs> Dude, so, and the Philippines probably go like Philippines are the, the biggest fans. They love K-pop. They love K-dramas. They probably they have love- performed in the Philippines as well. I believe that they I mean, I found them playing, like I said, when they were playing in Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia, when they were playing in Myanmar, these are not like on the beaten path. So they no. really have like put in the yards throughout Asia. Good so were them. they it? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that this was your question. That's Me awesome. too. So I'm, I'm going to say one last thing about this, yeah. which is I also feel like I'm going to put an intention to the universe. And this is my intention. Okay. I want Michael Learns to Rock to come on the pod. I was just going to say that. And talk about the experience of making eternal love. I was just going <gasps> to say that. We're put, we are manifesting having them on the pod as guests. I am Talk going to start to reach out and figure out if we can get this get because what? I feel like this would bring so much joy to the hearts of k-drama listeners and you know fans of healer and if you would like to join me in this quest if you at home are joining me i think we need to figure out how to harness the energy of (laughs) social media and k-drama to get michael learns to rock i excuse me mltr yeah to take a break out of their schedule and, and give us an unplugged us. session right here. Ah! Oh my God. Yes. Tiny desk. Tiny desk. Tiny desk. Oh, yes. Yes. And we'll sing it with them. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh That's the best ever. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, I, you know, I always like these episodes because I learned a lot, but like, I gotta say, not that this is like a competition, but I was most excited to learn about Michael Ernst to rock tonight. Uh, Leah, t- yeah, <laughs> Leah definitely like, Earns the the fun. The I can't of the believe week. of all things that's what she's like. You know what? I'm gonna research my clothes to rock. That was great. I, love I loved it. And yeah, I think we definitely need to manage. And if that's not an earworm in everybody's head right now, I then you haven't watched Healer and you need to leave right now and go right. do that. I'm singing it in my head right now. I am too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, one thing is like let us know if there's like if you're watching a drama and a question comes up that you like that you want answered and, you know, let us do the research. Why do you have to do it? Just let us do it and then we'll tell it to you, you know? That's yeah, toss it for. our way. Yeah, let us know. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Yep. Annyeong! Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. 
Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!